Retirement. That's what we're all aiming at, right? But exactly what does that mean? It conjures up visions of endless days of golf, drinks with little umbrellas in them on a tropical beach, feet up, reading a book. Is that what it's all about? I don't think so. Life would get pretty dull after a while without anything meaningful to do, don't you think? I'm Jackie Doucette, and I'm on a mission to discover exactly what life is like beyond retirement. Join me while I chat with people who've already done it, who've retired to something rather than from something. Let's find out together exactly what's waiting for us when we say goodbye to that nine to five. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Beyond Retirement. Today, my guest is Sam Thiera. Now, usually I give you all a little introduction of the guest who's going to be joining me, but I've listened to some other interviews that Sam has done, and I've listened to his TED Talks, and I don't really think that I can introduce him as well as he can do it himself. So, Sam, welcome to Beyond Retirement. Please tell all the listeners a little bit about yourself. Uh, Jackie, thank you for having me, and I hope that I can provide some insights to your audience. The best way for me to describe who Sam is, I've, I've sort of said, is that there are five things that guide and direct me in life. Servant leadership, story sharing, activator igniter, champion enabler, and community do-gooder. Those five things have enabled me to help individuals, teams, and organizations to their pinnacle best, but it's also made me into a speaker and a storyteller a mentor and a coach, a writer and blogger, an entrepreneur, educator, problem solver, and a community activator. I think that's the best way for me to describe who this person is. Wow, that's a lot of hats to be wearing. (laughs) I I imagine you're juggling them all the time because you're definitely a storyteller. It's very, very clear just in the first few words. um, I only take on those things that really resonate and matter to me. And As a result, you'll find that even though there are all these things, they layer into each other. It's almost like this big hodgepodge of, you know, you could say it's an omelet of a a lifestyle that I have. It's a mix of everything, but they all blend together nicely. So tell me a little bit or tell the uh, the listeners a little bit about the sort of things that you're doing these days. Mm -hmm. Sure. Well, I mean, and COVID has certainly shifted us in our in our parameters and the way we deal with things but i'm an educator at university so we are online presently we're going to go live in person starting next week Uh, equally at the same time i've been speaking on a lot of podcasts as a guest and i've really enjoyed that Uh, also mentoring and coaching like i find that uh, the audience that i'm really attached to it it's not only reserved to that, but the 15 to 45-year-olds, that's an audience that needs a lot of guidance and support. Uh, They have a lot of questions. And as they gear up and work towards their vision of where they would like to go, I I really appreciate and enjoy working with them. I also enjoy writing and uh, speaking. Uh, Those are two things that, again, go hand in hand. So those are the projects I work on. And, you know, Jackie, I think it's important for everybody to have an outlet. And for me, my outlet is my woodworking. So that's where I go to my garage. And then I use my hands. My mind is now, you know, on what I'm doing. But some of my best ideas come when I have that outlet. And uh, 
you know, of woodworking. And those are, those are the things that are presently in my life and uh, that I, that I gear up and I work towards, but all of them, it's all there to support and help people. I think one of the things that you said about, you know, you, you, you have the outlet and your mind is able to work on that, but it also is able to figure out other things that are going on, I think at the same time. <clears throat> and I think that that's something that all of us need to have. And that's, it's not necessarily something that we do easily in our lives. Um, especially people who have been busy all their life. They're, they're always focused on the next project, the next, the next little tick that's going to be on the list. And they don't have time to kind of calm down and you know, take some time to smell the roses. I think that's really important. It is. And, and, you know, it could be cooking, it could be yoga, it could be walking, any number of activities. It does, it's just something that allows you a little bit of freedom and momentum, because as, as I've said uh, to when I speak is, if you're always fighting fires, when do you get time to build? And sometimes you just need to take that moment. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. So my themes this season, um, as I mentioned to you earlier, are planning, freedom, confidence, and generosity. And mm-hmm. you uh, indicated that you might be able to talk a little bit about the idea of how generosity fits into our lives. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, generosity is uh, the fact that I think if everyone takes an inventory of who they are, not what they do, you realize you, you actually have a lot that you can offer. And generosity is what we can give. And, you know, I feel very fortunate. I feel very blessed. I've been given a lot, but with the understanding, I can't hold on to it. I have to give it away. And the more I give away, the more comes back. Generosity is all about this idea that, you know, whether it's an individual, a team or organization, what you can offer is going to benefit someone. Uh, For me, it's more like I do about three to eight conversations a week to help young people maneuver and navigate this thing called life. And you know, I give my time freely in that regard, because to see where they head off, it's not about, yeah, they'll become successful. And then what's in it for me, they've gone on to do amazing things. And Sir Isaac Newton said, I've been able to see far because I stood on the shoulder of giants and uh, over the last 20 some odd years, 5,000 conversations, uh, I'm surrounded by greatness. And that all derived out of that aspect of generosity, but it's got to be authentic generosity where you're not expecting something to come back as a result. But the the idea is it does come back. I also think with generosity and giving is this word of impact. Because sometimes, you know, I've been asked, you know, there's so much that you could benefit if you went into politics. And I'm like, no, no. (laughs) politics for me is going to be very frustrating. That's where, um, I, I don't think I'm suited for polit- politics. I appreciate those who take that public service. It's, it's not for me. But when they said that, they said, but think of the impact that you could have. And they said, you know, and this is all about perspectives. I think impact can be seen in multiple ways. And their view of impact is get into politics and you can make change in your community. Impact to me is sitting one-on-one with somebody 
helping them guide and, and support their, their journey. And as a result of supporting their journey, they go on to do great things that, that has a ripple effect with other people and their community and their surroundings. So for me, impact is, is really supporting people one-on-one or speaking at an event. Uh, I'll, I'll leave the politics to the politicians and um, <laughs> they can go on and do their impact, but I'll, I'll concentrate on mine. But that's generosity is just taking the time. And, and Jackie, I think, you know, like I said, I, I ask people, can you share with a young person? And they're, they're hungry to share their experiences, the, you know, what worked for them, what didn't work for them, what would they have done differently? And the, the young audience needs that support, but that's generosity to me. One of the things, <clears throat> excuse me, that you, that you mentioned there, um, mm-hmm sharing one-on-one, but more importantly, I think, or to me more important is the idea of giving without anticipating, excuse me, or expecting anything in return. And that, I think a lot of people find that really hard to do. They, they say, you know, yes, Mm -hmm. I'm giving, but then they're upset when nobody notices. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's, I don't know if it's along the lines of, karma that you know you go out and you give freely and you're going to get something back but if you go out expecting something back it's just not going to show up and and i think the fact is if you go in anticipating something you're setting an expectation and that expectation basically is if if something doesn't happen i feel disappointed whereas if you go in without that expectation even the smallest thing, if uh, somebody says, uh, oh, I, I want to buy you a cup of coffee today, I wasn't expecting it. And I'll say, no, no, no. I mean, it's okay. And But it's also interesting because uh, it can be awkward for me because I, I also don't like the um, somebody doing something for me. So if let's say I go with a student for lunch and, you know, we're having lunch together and then the bill comes and they're like, no, no, I'm paying. And I'm like, no, I mean, not that I want to embarrass them. They're a student. They're not working. Um, and I said, no, no, it's okay. And they're like, no, Sam, I really want to do this. And I remember in the past, I would always be awkward about it. But then at a certain point, I told myself, if I don't allow them this opportunity, I'm not going to say it at the first time. Sure, here's the bill. But equally at the same time, if I keep on saying no, I'm not respecting the authenticity of their generosity. Exactly. And yeah, and I think that um, you, I can't be awkward because I'm not respecting it. Whereas this is something that it's not a have to do. It really is a want to do. And then when I eventually, after one or two times, say, no, no, no. And then I say, okay, you know what? I greatly appreciate this and I accept it. So I really do want to thank you for, you know, lunch today. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden I see their face light up and they've done something that they wanted to do. And uh, sometimes we just have to put our ego aside and allow that to materialize. That's true, isn't it? We all, we all rush mm-hmm. to do something for someone else because, we, yeah, we're always taught it's better to give than to receive, but mm-hmm. you can't be giving all the time unless someone's receiving. And, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes you have to receive as well. As no matter how awkward it is. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> yeah. So um, I know you've written a book and it's all about finding your identity, finding your roots. Can you talk, tell us a little bit about your journey and about you know, what that was like? 
Oh, of course. I mean, it's one of those, the book is about finding my ancestral roots, but also finding my identity. So the book is called Lost and Found, Seeking the Past and Finding Myself. All I had was a faded photograph of the people from my village. And it's, you know, just a, a three and a half by three and a half inch photograph that's orange and dingy in color. This is the picture. It's uh, just a photograph of people standing in front of a house. It's three and a half by three and a half dingy. Wow. So I had that picture and very little information. But nobody knew where our village really was in India. Now, I was born in England, raised in Canada. My parents come from Fiji Islands, which is near Australia. And my grandparents come from India. And it's not uncommon for people to say, what part of India are you from? And I said, well, I was born in England and raised in Canada. And they're like, no, no, your parents, what part of India? I said, well, my parents come from Fiji Islands. And they look at me and they say, are you Indian? And it's like, well, my grandparents come from India. And then there's others who say, well, you're not Indian, you're Canadian. And I also like the one where once you describe Canada, uh, sorry, Britain, Canada, Fiji, and India, they look at you and they say, no, no, really, where are you from? And I'm going like, okay, <laughs> let's start with planet Earth. I'm from the planet Earth. Um, so I struggled with this identity piece because my life was always segmented into different areas. So, you know, going to school, you're Canadian. I went to pretty much an all-white school where there was only five visible minority out of, let's say, 500 students. And, you know, you're, you're Canadian, you play hockey, you um, eat hot dogs, and if you fall and scrape your knee, you bleed maple syrup. I mean, that's just being Canadian. Yep. <laughs> and it's only when I got to university that I suddenly realized that, you know, that was a much more broader global audience. And they were sharing, you know, their cultural upbringing and the food and the music and the all sorts of things. And it made me realize that maybe there's a part and component of my life that I didn't push away, but I never really explored, which was my Indian identity. So I decided to go to India to explore uh, the country itself, because, you know, that's uh, where our ancestral roots come from. And uh, also my, you know, find my Indian heritage and identity. Well, the best way for me to describe my identity recovery, I guess you could say, is, uh, you know, it was uh, early morning, 4 a.m., and I woke up all of a sudden, and I had an epiphany. My life was always a tali, and a tali is a platter with segmented dishes in Indian cooking. So, you know, there's, you know, British, Canadian, Indian, Fijian, these are all segmented dishes and well 11 years I played in an Irish military pipe band so there's a bit of Irish chutney in there as well but everything was always segmented and my epiphany was maybe I'm kichdi and kichdi is an Indian rice dish which is a blend of flavors and spices and it made me realize that instead of trying to segment myself into these categories I should embrace them all and you can do it all simultaneously. And it's interesting because I think a lot of people I talk to say, wow, okay, that, that means I'm Kichardi too. And you could be uh, Slovakian and be Kichardi. You could be Australian and be Kichardi. Um, and, you know, I've even had people say, yeah, but, you know, uh, 
I have a sense and feeling that that really helps me to realize my own identity. The other part of it was to find my ancestral roots because my grandfather left uh, India when he was literally like 17 years old, probably early 1900s, hopped on a steamer ship, landed in Fiji. But life for our my, my parents or my father and all of them, it, it took over and they never really thought about the life in India and where this was. My grandfather had never gone back to India. So I went to reconnect with this past because nobody knew where our village was. And again, it's the journey that's the most important part, but literally a lot of setbacks. But then, you know, all of a sudden, there was a moment when we went to the town that was supposedly near the village, talking to people, either, you know, people would always say, never heard of the village, don't know where it is, I think you've mistaken it and all. But one person said, well, I think the name of the village you're talking about is up the road this way. So we got to this, you know, drove up this roadway. There's an old, you know, there's this archway and an old man seated there. You know, we show him this picture and he sees the picture. And I, I, I'm like, here we go again. Cause there was a lot of these setbacks and things. And he gets in our vehicle, we drive to a house and people come out. And when they came out, this one person looked at this picture the one where, and she has a white shawl. And she looked at this picture and she said, that's me in the picture. Who are you? Yeah. So I found my grandfather's house wow. uh, through persistence, overcoming obstacles, not listening to the noise. And, you know, it was just this moment of, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I am home because she said, she said those words, she goes, no, you're home. And it really connected me to this place now. So I went to India, a foreigner going to a land that shouldn't be foreign for, to them in search of a needle in a haystack, but not sure where the haystack was. And I guess what really um, made me happy about all of this is how I'm able to share that story with people. So, you know, for example, I've, I've had many conversations, but a person from Sicily had said, well, that's great you found your ancestral roots and everything. But he said, my ancestors come from Sicily. We don't know the town. We don't know the house. We don't know anywhere, anything about that. And I said, but have you been to Sicily? And he had. I said, when you got to Sicily, knowing that your ancestors were here, did you feel a connection to this place? He said, oh, absolutely. But I didn't find any information. I said, well, you're home because that's your connection. You feel this connection because of your ancestors, then it doesn't mean you have to find the house, the village, the town. You found a connection to, a, in your mind, what is another home. And uh, that's just this beautiful story that uh, I like to share with people. Oh, that's lovely. Uh, that's, it's amazing that you managed to find <clears throat> the actual people in the photo. That's, mm -hmm. that's incredible. Yeah. Persistence pays off. And not listening to the noise. <laughs> One of the things that I heard you talk about a little bit, and I think mm -hmm. I might have seen it, mm -hmm. might have been on your website, but you were talking about how <clears throat> everybody has a story mm -hmm. and how we tell it is the important part. And I think that that... Um, that fits in well with the idea of 
what comes in the next stage of our lives, because mm -hmm. this is the time when we have the time to kind of sort out who we are and what we're doing and, and how to get it all down yeah. is an important part of that. And we can't mm -hmm. just say, well, I grew up here. We got to, got to be able to say a little bit more than that. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, in my first TEDx speech, I talked about how to discover the extraordinary in the ordinary, meaning storytelling. And, you know, we go through life in autopilot and everything seems ordinary, but embedded in the ordinary are these tremendously extraordinary experiences if we have our eyes open. And the way that I described it, because when they asked me to speak on TEDx uh, about, and I said, okay, I'm going to talk about storytelling. And people said, well, you tell stories. How can I tell stories? How, and so it was about providing them the tools. So I broke it down and I said that uh, the, the way that I do it is by a concept I came up with called carpe, as in carpe diem. Carpe diem is seize the day, but carpe is what I do to capture the essence of a story. And what carpe stands for is curiosity, appreciation, reflection, perspectives, and experience. Curiosity is going through life with your eyes open, your radar on, and, you know, stopping if something seems even the slightest bit intriguing or interesting. And part of it might be, maybe you drive to work, maybe take a different route or walk to work. Uh, maybe you take a different way. Maybe there's something along your pathway as you take your kids to school that you haven't seen before. That's curiosity. Curiosity will stop you. A stands for appreciation. Appreciate what stopped you and see it for more than what it is. And reflection is where you start adding purpose and meaning to what stopped you and that you're appreciating it. So you start reflecting and thinking about it and adding some purpose and meaning to it. And perspectives means we all have perspectives. And when we have perspectives, that layers into the reflection piece and adds more significance to it. And then the last piece, which is really important, is called experience. If you don't capture your story as an experience, your story dies an untimely death. So for me, everything that I do in life is captured as an experience. So when I'm sitting with an individual who's telling me about their career aspirations, I have a virtual filing cabinet and I'm pulling stories out because I've cataloged them as experiences. And I'll give you an example, Jackie, of how you, know, you can convert you know, the ordinary into the extraordinary using that carpe principle. So for example, you know, I carry with me puzzle pieces. And uh, so, for example, you know, there's a single piece of a jigsaw puzzle, you know, just one single piece. And I always tell people, if I give this to you, what can you do with one piece? Not much, really, right? It's, it's ordinary. There's just one piece. But this is what people feel like because they feel like that single piece of a jigsaw puzzle. They don't know where they fit in. They don't know what the bigger picture is much like as we go towards our retirement or as we go forward in life, we don't know what the picture is. But the thing is, instead of focusing on this one single piece, there's a satchel. And in the satchel are more puzzle pieces that come from my puzzle. If I give you a piece of my jigsaw puzzle, my puzzle is going to be permanently incomplete without you. I can't finish it now. 
And it's a reminder to people how important they are. No one piece of a jigsaw puzzle is more important than another. No one person is more important than another person. But it just reminds them how important they are. And I've given about 5,000 pieces to date. And what's always fascinating is people have it taped to their mirror. And they tell me it reminds them every morning someone told them how much they matter. It's traveled in backpacks around the world. It's it's in wallets, and then they show it to me at events. And it's just a simple little thing, but this is where the carpe comes in because it's ordinary and I made it extraordinary. I remember a number of years ago, I had a gathering of individuals for an event and I was thinking about it and I saw a puzzle piece and the curiosity stopped me. And I thought about it and I appreciated the puzzle for more than what it is. And I started reflecting on about the connectedness and uh, the togetherness of how we draw the people together. And I had about a hundred people at this event and how each of them got a piece of the puzzle and they all became a part of my puzzle. So there's the reflection and perspective was this idea of, you know, the deeper perspectives of connections and what these people mean to me and of how important connections are. And then I captured it as an experience, but that's how I convert the ordinary into the extraordinary as an example. I love that. <clears throat> and maybe someday you'll gather all those puzzle pieces back together. <laughs> It'd be interesting it, to get the whole puzzle, the whole picture back together again. Oh, I don't even know if we could ever do that because there are multiple puzzles and there's <laughs> probably all around the world, but it would be a lovely gathering. The, what I say instead though, is um, it's something I started and people said, it's such a beautiful sentiment. I wish I, I could do something like that. I said, go out and buy a puzzle piece and start giving them out. They said, but it's yours. And, I, and I'll quote you on it. And I said, no, no. Could you imagine if two random people meet somewhere and they don't, there's no connection except they each have a puzzle piece and they come from different sources that relate back to the original? Yeah, I think, I think <clears throat> we just need to be more connected to each other. I think so too. And who knows? I mean... It's just a matter of speaking to someone to find out where that other puzzle piece is. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mm -hmm. um, just wondering, I was just thinking mm -hmm. about your trip to India and I was mm -hmm. thinking about writing the book and the TED talk that I saw where you pulled the uh, doorstop mm -hmm. out of your, out of your pocket and turning the ordinary into extraordinary. Mm -hmm. How do you come up with, all of the stories, I know you make them mm -hmm. extraordinary, but how do you figure that out? How do you decide mm -hmm. what, you know, mm -hmm. what's going to be extraordinary today? Um, I really do think that it's about, um, you know, just that whole curiosity piece in the very beginning step. Uh, because um, in my life gets very busy and, uh, you know, very active, but I always take a little bit of time to always have that on to say, there's something about this person. There's something about this situation or something about this object. And that's what I think, uh, you know, I try to minimize that noise around me. Yeah. And, you know, that's where all of the rest of Carpe kicks in because I do have appreciation or gratitude and, you know, the, I think a lot uh, about how the, it may impact people or, you know, the significance of stuff. But I, I, I think it's just about being comfortable and confident in that regard to say that I can, you know, move forward. I know it's busy, 
but slowing it down a little bit to the extent that I can actually uh, find comfort in a number of things that enables me to then, you know, start drawing it. The other thing, Jackie, is, uh, as I said in the beginning, there are five things that guide and direct me in life. I think that's really important to me as well, because servant leadership, story sharing, activator, igniter, champion, enabler, and community do-gooder. When opportunities emerge, I parallel and compare it to those five things. And it has to hit five out of five, or it's not something I can undertake. Because when it hits five out of five, there's fulfillment. And the realization is, it helps me realize and with clarity what's important to me. And even for our, your audience members to take the time to say, and I help people through this exercise of what are the five things you're not willing to compromise in life and career? And, you know, they struggle with this because they'll say, well, you know, uh, family's important. But I always say the important question to ask is why? Why is family important to you? And they'll and we go into a deeper perspective on that. And they say, well, connections and uh, relationships uh, with my extended family, my immediate family, even friends. And then I'll say, okay, but is your work environment, connections and relationships important? And they're like, oh, absolutely. What about when you were in school? Oh, for sure. What about in your social life? Oh, I have to have those relationships and connectedness. I said, can we replace family with relationships and connectedness as one of the five things that are important to you. And they're like, oh, yeah. So the idea is to always ask yourself, why is this important? And as a result of it, and you nail down, let's say five things you're not willing to compromise, it enables you to now compare what you're doing in life to see, does it actually resonate? Am I doing what's authentic? And you know, people are fearful because I'm making you choose, let's say, five thoughts and ideas. How do I know? What if I pick the wrong five? I'm like, no, no, you pick five. And as you go through life, you change them. You know, as you have experiences and you're like, okay, that doesn't really fit. And I've changed mine. Yeah. But the idea is it enables you to have clarity and fulfillment and uh, helps you to realize the purpose and, uh, you know, the direction that you need to go. Very good. Um, <clears throat> I don't think, uh, I don't think there's any rules for it. It's mm -hmm. just how you feel. And yeah, as you say, that can change. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, uh, Sam, for being with us today. I really enjoyed listening to you tell me the things that I need to need to learn in my life there. I don't know how else to say that. Um, being able to stop and smell the roses and actually see the roses that are there. I think that's important. And uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I always say, you know, one of my signature taglines is everyone's life is an autobiography make yours worth reading. We all have stories to share. We are living stories. And you are never, any of your listeners or people, we're not insignificant. People will say, no one's interested in my story. No, no, it's your experiences. Go out and share your experiences and your story. You're building your autobiography page by page, section by section. Embrace your story, um, you know, live your story. I really like that. Thank you. That's a great way to end. Uh, my pleasure, Jackie. 
And that's it for this episode of Beyond Retirement. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. I hope you enjoyed it. To check out the video interviews, please go to my YouTube channel at bit.ly forward slash beyond retirement. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash beyond retirement. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss any new episodes.